Welcome to Occult of Personality, esoteric podcast extraordinaire at occultofpersonality.net. I'm your host, Greg Kaminsky. This is episode number 198, featuring an interview with Angel Millar discussing his recent projects, including his YouTube channel, The Spiritual Survival. A Cult of Personality podcast is made possible by you, the listeners, and by the subscribers to chamberofreflection.com, our membership site. Anathema Publishing Limited. Quality occult books and contemporary esoterica. Established in 2011, Anathema Publishing aims to provide superior literature in content and form by creating a trinosophic relationship in troth and gabo between publisher, author, and reader. Anathema Publishing produces refined books for the true bibliophile on topics ranging from Gnosticism, traditional craft, alchemy, hermeticism, witchcraft, to Luciferian Theosophy. www.anathemapublishing.com A Cult of Personality podcast is also sponsored by Miskatonic Books, an online store that focuses on the esoteric, occult, ceremonial magic, Freemasonry, Rosicrucianism, witchcraft, the Golden Dawn, as well as dark fantasy, classic horror, and supernatural fiction. They carry books by all your favorite esoteric publishers as well. Just visit MiskatonicBooks.com. Angel Millar is the author of The Crescent and the Compass, Islam, Freemasonry, Esotericism, and Revolution in the Modern Age, Freemasonry, Foundation of the Western Esoteric Tradition, and Freemasonry, A History. His writing has also been published in the Journal of Indo-European Studies, Quest Magazine, and Philolaths, the Journal of Masonic Research, among others. His brilliant YouTube channel, The Spiritual Survival, as well as much of his work, is focused on the intersection of spirituality and self-mastery. He regularly inspires his audiences to work on mastering their own lives and uses his experience and practices as a guide. I consider him a good friend and he's one of my favorite guests. The intro music is Awakening by Paul Avgerinos and the outro music is Build by Ernesto Schnack. In the Chamber of Reflection, Angel Millar and I continue the interview, and Angel shares his insights about Freemasonry and the value of discipline and building a strong foundation for esoteric work. We also discuss his understanding of initiation and co-editing and writing for the new collection, The Art and Science of Initiation, published by Lewis Masonic. We also talk about the proliferation of Freemasons focusing on the esoteric 
and the wide array of Masonic cons cropping up around the United States. If you enjoyed the first half of this interview, be sure to listen to that exclusive recording at chamberofreflection.com. And I'd like to remind you that although you're able to listen to this podcast at no charge, it costs time and money to create. We ask you to support our efforts and the creation of future podcasts by joining the membership section at chamberofreflection.com or subscribing via Patreon at patreon.com slash personality. And if you're already supporting the show or have done so in the past, my heartfelt thanks and I salute you. Angel, I want to welcome you back to the podcast. It's always excellent to speak with you and I'm sure tonight will be no different. Oh, thank you very much, Greg. It's always awesome to speak with you as well. Thank you. Um, uh, one of the things I was wanting to talk to you about tonight is your new uh, video series, The Spiritual Survival. Sure. Uh, it's really tremendous. Uh, I think it's had quite an impact, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's, it's definitely growing pretty quickly and, um, you know, it seems to be uh, getting uh, liked and shared a, a fair amount for a, a very new channel. So that's good. And uh, there's also a, a, um, a website with the same name as well, the spiritual survival dot com. But, yeah, I think together they're making an impact. Yeah. Yeah, I really like the um, the topics, um, the way that you solicit uh opinion from your audience. Uh, I think it's truly excellent. Um, so I'm really enjoying the, uh, the, the series and, uh, I'm glad you're doing it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so what prompted you to start? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. So as you know, you know, I've had a, a couple of websites in the past and, uh, well, one of them was pretty much dormant at that point, and I sort of revived it. But um, you know, I've been thinking about how to revive it for quite a while, and um, yeah, it sort of just came together quite quickly, really. Um, and then you know, I just started writing. I mean, the articles I'm writing now are pretty similar to what I was writing a couple of years ago. So, um, but I felt like I had, with this sort of revamping, of the, I renamed it and I changed some of the graphics. And um, I just felt it was sort of more me, and uh, it was more meaningful. So it's just to encourage me to put a, put some more uh, energy into it. Yeah, I like that. Um, it does seem like you have more of a clear direction. And, yeah. Uh, sure. You've really sharpened uh, your focus, and uh, especially the the areas you're honing in on, and and what you're, I think. Uh, advocating for yeah so uh, how would you describe that um if someone were to ask um like what are you advocating for uh in terms of health and spirituality and Mm -hmm. um the way someone might want to 
sort of order their their life yeah so uh, yeah that's a good question and um you know the subject uh, of traditionalism came up in a, in a recent interview that I did, and um, you know I think I described myself more or less as being a, a traditionalist, anti-traditionalist, and um, you know I guess what I what I believe in is that you need uh, to have respect for the past and for what's being created. I mean, not every single element of the past, of course, but you need to have respect for the, the best of the past so that you can build something in the present uh, for the future. And I think today, you know, we've become very hooked into the idea that everything in the past is bad or everything in the past is good. And um, it's, we live in, a, I think, a deeply uncreative time, and that's uh, that. I think is a very dangerous time um, because we need to think and to find new solutions to things. So that's really what it's about. It's about advocating for a, a different and a deeper way of thinking and for finding solutions and um, so finding solutions in our own lives. Um, but in regard to uh, health, for example, you know, I, de- I definitely would advocate um, practicing uh, a martial art, uh, doing physical training, um, eating a healthy diet, and also uh, learning to cook and cooking your, your own food as much as possible as well. Um, so it's really about taking control, control of your body, control of your diet, and also you know control of your mind and your spiritual practice as well, and, and hopefully having some kind of artistic practice or creative practice as well. So when I hear what you're saying, the word that really comes to mind is discipline. Right, exactly, yeah. Well, discipline is, is definitely a word I would use. And, uh, um, you know, discipline is a word that you would use uh, in relation to the martial arts or maybe in relation to something like Zen Buddhism or to maybe painting or calligraphy. They're all disciplines. And so discipline would be a, a really big part of it. And, um, you know, I think the, you know and I certainly know that that discipline is is hard to uh, cultivate and it's hard to maintain, and so the, the site, in a sense, is also encouraging us to uh, take up and to maintain a discipline. But uh, you know, beyond that, you, you'll be familiar with the, the notion of a way. You know, the way of the samurai, or the way of the sword, or the you know, karate do, the way of the empty hand. Or, uh, this kind of thing, the way being a discipline that sort of leads you to some kind of spiritual awakening or maybe even to some kind of enlightenment. So, you know, I'm not advocating these things, although they are good in themselves, so it's true. You know, it's good to have a healthy diet and to, uh, you know, have a physical uh, training practice. But I'm also advocating these things as a kind of a, a way or different ways that are coming together so that, you can reach beyond and have some kind of spiritual awakening. And, you know, with, uh, with just with cooking, for example, I, you know, I know that the Hare Krishnas uh, say that you should, you know, eat your own food and pr- prepare your own food or at least only eat food that's from other Krishna uh, devotees. And that's not because there's some weird cult. It's, the idea is uh, that, you know, if someone paints a painting, they put their personality into it. And if you 
cook a meal, your personality goes into that. So if you're an unbalanced person, that that imbalance is going to go into the food and then you're going to consume uh, almost eucharistically in a way, or you're consuming this imbalance and it's going to affect you. And, um, you know, so in that sense, cooking your own food is a way, but all of these disciplines meet up and become a, a, a sort of total way in a sense. Yeah, that's right. And discipline and, uh, well, disciple is the root. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. There's that sort of a, uh, idea, uh, associated with it. Um, one becomes a disciple. Yeah. On the way of whatever way they're on. Um, so it's true. Um, it's really rare uh, these days. Uh, one of the th- other things that, as you were talking, it brought to mind is uh, this saying that I've heard recently, that uh, the way you do one thing is the way you do all things. Yeah, well, funnily enough, I don't know if it was you that posted it, but I actually saw that somewhere online today, yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that right? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know there is a there is a uh, a phrase in the Hagakura, which is a, a late uh, Japanese samurai manual, and it says uh, when you uh, when you um, uh, when you understand other ways, it should be that you understand your own way even more. So if you are a samurai and your way is the way of the sword, if you learn calligraphy, you should learn something about the sword from practicing calligraphy exactly. or, whatever, or whatever it may be. So yeah, the way uh, yeah, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Yeah. And um, you know, maybe at the exact opposite end of the spectrum, there's a, a very, or the youth, he's dead now, but there was a very flamboyant uh, British a playwright called Quinton Crisp, and um, he was incredibly flamboyant. He was one of the earliest sort of open uh, homosexuals, in at least in 20th century England, and he moved to uh, New York. But he would, he would say these things which sounded incredibly zen-like. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of his things he said, he said, um, uh, one's, one's sincerity is one's style. So your style is your sincerity. And you think, oh, that, you know, that... From a different perspective, that's a very Zen thing, right? Because if you do a, uh, let's say you do a painting, um, like a Zen painting with the unit ink and brush, you know, the, the style of the painting, the, the gestures that you produce, you know, that's, that's, you know, from your heart or from your soul. You know, your style is your sincerity. It's your, your character is coming out on the paper. Mm-hmm. And the same with anything, of course, right? If you're in martial arts, your character is coming out in the martial arts. Or if you cook, you know, again, your character is coming out in that food. You know, if you're, if you're imbalanced, the food will be imbalanced as well. Unbalanced. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Very interesting. So what are some of the reactions that you've received from from doing these videos? Uh, yes, yeah, so, so far it's been good. I haven't received any criticism so far. I mean, I, I would expect that I will at some point. I think that's inevitable. But but so far, you know, people seem to like um, like the videos. Uh, I think actually probably the, the the videos that have got the most uh, most interested 
especially being the ones where I've talked a little more about the esoteric or about esoteric Freemasonry. So that's kind of interesting in itself. But mm-hmm. I, I think, yeah, I think one of the reasons might be is that, you know, maybe partly because the subject isn't talked about that much, but, but what I'm really trying to do as well is to not talk about things in, through the usual cliches, but to uh, approach them in new and I, I would hope uh, in deeper ways. Yeah, I would agree. Um, well, you're one of the few people who has the capability, I think, to do that. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so one of the other things that you've been working on recently is, uh, I believe, a, a new book. I don't know if you want to dis- discuss that at all. Uh, yeah, so. sure. We, we can discuss it. That's no problem. Um and what is the book entitled? Uh, it's it's titled uh, The Three Stages of Initiatic Spirituality, Craftsman, Warrior, Magician. Excellent. Now, um, you've been working on this book for a little bit, uh, for some yeah. time. Yeah, probably a couple of years. Um, and during that time, as I've known you, I feel like you've you've really grown and I wouldn't say mature because you were mature when I met you, but um I feel like you've you've very much expanded your uh sort of understanding and reach and ability to communicate to a larger audience um, over the past mm-hmm. few years. And I feel like this book is, uh, is even more of an extension of that. Um, I don't know if you would agree or how yeah. you feel about that. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. Um, you know, because obviously my first two books were really just exclusively about Freemasonry and esoteric Freemasonry. And then my third book, although the majority of it is about Islam, there's still, you know, 40% easily is about Freemasonry, uh, the connections between Freemasonry and Islam. So, it, it, you know, I was working very much within a particular field. And, um, you know, it's, it's certainly true that I, I do mention Freemasonry in this book, uh, certainly early on. But, um, you know, 97, 98% of the book is not concerned with Freemasonry at all. It's concerned with uh, um, all kinds of other traditions. And and with, uh, you know, in a sense, uh, running through it with our own sort of spiritual and maybe physical development as well. So, But, yeah, so I, I definitely am talking to a wider audience um, particularly an audience that's interested in, you know, self-development and self-mastery and in, in, interested in spirituality and in um, maybe in a more holistic kind of life where, uh, where they're going to cultivate the body but also the, the mind and the spirit as well. Yeah, and I think that's um, something that's definitely more accessible uh, to a larger audience and certainly uh, it feels like there's a, a need for it. Uh, yeah, least, that's right. As far as I can tell, because 
Um, and, and I don't know if this, I don't know how this sounds, so I hope it, it's not, uh, in any way, um, a degradation of your work or you at all, but I feel like part of the reason why this is important is mm. because it, people need to have a living example of somebody who is saying this and actually living it, and they can see that and communicate yeah. with you about that because uh, it, it, there's something more tangible in that transmission because it's it's not like you're saying something totally original. Uh, much right. of what no, you're no. saying has been said by others uh, in in more classical uh, contexts. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah. So, but it's the fact that you're 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 here and you're doing it right now. And yeah. that they can communicate with you that makes this so much more immediate and uh, yeah. relevant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, you, you know, you, you've probably read The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, there's a there's a phrase at the end of the book, and I I have to paraphrase, but essentially he says, you know, if 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 anything I've said is true, someone someone else will come again and say them in new words. And, um, you know, that's kind of the point of, of culture in a way. It's, it's not to uh, keep coming up with novelty. Um, it's to repre- represent the, uh, the archetypal and, and the meaningful and what's actually, what actually sustains human beings and what sustained us for thousands of years. But to put it in new ways that are relevant for our time, and, you know, you know whether that's in through literature or through art or through something else, and um, you know I was I was listening to a, a sort of conservative philosopher recently, and he was saying, well, you know, people wouldn't object to uh, new towns being built if they all look like Bath, which is which is a Roman Bath town in uh, in, in England. Well, no one would object to living in a you know a, a beautiful Roman like town obviously but the idea that that we should go back you know a couple of thousand years and just endlessly mimic you know what was done in the past is just it's just beyond ridiculous beyond ridiculous and you know you have to look to you know sure we have to look to the past for inspiration and for ideals of, of beauty and to have some kind of juxtaposition with what we're doing today. You know, are we going off on some weird tangent? You know, we can look to all different cultures around the globe to see what sustain people and be meaningful to people, but, but we can't live in the past, you know, and um, we have to live today. And, uh, you know, that means creating new art uh, in regards to self-development. You know, I mean, sure, we could read... Uh, you know, meditations by Marcus Aurelius every day. And I do read meditations by Marcus Aurelius and the Hagakura and many other books. But, you know, you need, these things need to be rephrased for our own time and not just rephrased, but the challenges we face today are totally different to the challenges they faced in their own time.
one of the things I think that's uh, really interesting is uh, you have a, a unique ability to articulate uh, the idea and uh, the methods behind uh, initiation. And maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Uh, about initiation? or Yeah, initiation and... And what that means in a modern context. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, well, I suppose initiation in a modern context, well, perhaps in any context, but uh, initiation means um, refocusing on the transcendent, for one thing. And then the other part of, Initiation would be uh, becoming a part of some kind of lineage and, um, you know, having some kind of guidance uh, through the through the initiation, whether that's purely ritualistic or purely ritual guidance or whether there's some uh, practical or more practical guidance after that. But I would say that those are the elements, but uh, refocusing on the transcendent, which means, you know, away from the political and away from um, the social uh, towards, you know, uh, towards God or the divine. And uh, and then, you know, then some kind of uh, ritual initiation, some kind of guidance into some kind of lineage. Uh, I would say that those are the elements. Uh, we, we can flesh those out more if you want. Yeah, I would agree. Those those definitely are the elements. And I think the, I would say that it would, you know, the, the initiation, if, if, you know, fully practiced would, you know, the, the lineage provides like the circumstances for that to flourish. Yeah. Like on all, all levels from like a practical mm-hmm. to more esoteric even. Yeah. 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 So maybe you could, Explain, because I feel like this is sometimes missed, and sometimes mm-hmm. people don't fully grasp it because they think of it more in a Masonic context, mm-hmm. which um, doesn't always uh, convey the initi the sense of initiation that I might be talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, so mis- the Masonic initiation, yeah, there's there's something conveyed, right? Mm-hmm. But for um, sure, yeah. But in in one sense, it's it's not this quite the same as a more esoteric initiation either. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are differences, and yet there is some transmission that goes on. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, so I think the difference between a Masonic initiation and, and an occult initiation is that uh, the, the occult initiation, uh, whether during the ritual or after, uh, there's usually some kind of some kind of energy work, we might say, uh, some kind of a uh, some kind of supernatural occurrence, so the in a very literal sense, let's say in, in an occult ritual, it might be that 
there's the belief that certain spirits are present or the sun, sun energy enters the body. And then with that, you know, maybe later on, uh, after the initiation in, into some occult order, it would probably be the case that you're given instruction on how to uh, work with those spirits or how to, you know, manipulate this energy and so on. And, uh, and Freemasonry doesn't have that. Uh, its initiations are, um, essentially refocusing um, maybe maybe the word is intellect. So refocusing the intellects on, on the on the transcendent, and then the work isn't of a supernatural nature per se. It's more of a work on oneself. You know how to uh, control the emotions, or you know not not let them run wild. Uh, you know how to um, focus on one's mortality and the end of life and what's beyond it. Uh, how to be a good good member of society or you know, a decent person in, in regard to one's uh, brothers and friends and family and so on. And this all might seem very trivial to many people, but uh, uh, these are often the hardest things in life to master. So, Yeah, you bring up something that I think is at the moment perhaps like closest to my heart about <clears throat> Freemasonry because – it really touches on something that I think is so crucial, and yet, like like you said, I think people overlook it, it and don't see how important it is. All these things you mention, uh, if someone can master those, and master their like mundane circumstances in that way mm-hmm. and still be focused on the transcendent on the divine at the same yeah. time they have everything ever like they have the capability at that point to to actually like go on like a spiritual path that mm-hmm. is like yeah incredibly disciplined or even like a martial arts path that's incredibly disciplined yeah learning like a musical instrument mm-hmm. to like a, if they're talented in that way like they at that point you'd have the the capability of then trying to like master a specific path i think yeah and yeah, that's definitely. what masonry provides which I don't see being provided in any other discipline. No, that's right. And, uh, you know, to return to uh, Zen Buddhism again as well, you know, in Zen Buddhism, you know, polishing a mirror or sweeping leaves, that, that's a meditation. It's not, you know, you're not meditating on some, you know, strange sigil from you know, a thousand years ago that you found in a grimoire. It's literally sweeping leaves, polishing a mirror or performing martial arts or whatever it is, cutting up meat even. You know, all of this is a meditation. And so the the ordinary world provides you uh, this um, uh, potential for transcendence. Um, but you're not trying to escape the ordinary world. You know, there's a Zen saying, uh, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood to carry water. 
meaning you have to do all the same ordinary chores, even if you're enlightened, it doesn't matter. Uh, but, you, you know, know, the world is, you know, the training ground of enlightenment, really. Well, I think also, too, like in certain practices, like if you accomplish them, like there's, there is no ordinary aspect to the world at all. Yeah. And no, you, exactly. If you can recognize that, then you're, yeah. you've at least on the way. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And, and, and people who really want to be, uh, you know, who really want to be in touch with the divine, the miraculous, the, the mysterious, you know, can, can end up pushing away all of that, uh, by trying to uh, sort of break into it with these, you know, more extreme forms of spirituality. But, you know, you have to live in the world and you have to find the miraculous in the world. And that's really the, the real challenge. And all of the other stuff is to kind of point you more in that direction, really. Yeah. And, and he, I don't know if this puts too fine a point on it, but what I'm talking about is not... uh what some people might like find like synchronicities with no. things that they're noticing and come up and like a series of connections in their mind. Uh, this is not what I'm talking about at all. It's just much more simple and yeah. immediate and direct perception. If that's even possible um, to the extent mm -hmm. that it is like, that's mm -hmm. more what I'm talking about and just appreciating it directly as like sense meets the, whatever it's sensing, like whatever your ears hearing or your eyes yeah. seeing or your nose is smelling. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think what you're talking about as well is, you know, when you say what well, the ears are hearing, for example, you know, that we have a tendency to uh, hear a piece of music and we love it. And then after we've heard it five times, we literally don't even hear it anymore. We've completely tuned it out. And, you know, it's the ability to be able to stay focused on uh, the present surroundings and, and experience them and to appreciate them. And that that's a huge challenge for anyone, really. I think that's true because I we do it even with people, which is even oh, yeah. worse. Like yeah. Everything is instead of like, yeah, maybe then when you were a child, the first time you saw it, like that was like a glass. But ever since then, you have this concept of a glass. And yeah. every time you see it, you don't see the glass. You just see your concept of glass and Mm -hmm. And then That's you do it. the same thing with people. And instead of seeing them like that, it's possible for them to change. Like, you know, mm -hmm. you just put them mm -hmm. in that little box like, oh, that's Angel. And, yeah, that's right. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. And then you surprise me by like doing a book that's not about Freemasonry. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I shouldn't be surprised. It should be like, of course. You know, why wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But, um, but just get, mentioning something else about, um, Masonic initiation, because I don't want it to sound too banal, uh, because it's, you know, obviously not, but, you know, uh, Masonic initiation, 
you know, it has a lot of depth to it, not least of all because, you know, you, we can trace the prehistory of Freemasonry back to around 1400 AD, so that's, you know, 600 years. That's far longer than any occult group in the West today has been around. And, you know, during the 18th century, um, you know, it, it became a sort of vacuum that pulled in, you know, Neoplatonism and, uh, Alchemy and Hermeticism and Rosicrucianism, which which was sort of regurgitated into the the occult world, you know, affecting and really sort of really really very significantly shaping such orders as uh, the, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and the Order of Templi Orientis, and affecting pretty pretty much uh, every other occult order out there, whether whether directly or indirectly as well. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Freemasonry. Mm-hmm. I'm still a, you know, dues-paying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Freemason and intend to continue. And I, you know, uh, I'm trying to reach Freemasons uh, through mm-hmm. this podcast, through my mm-hmm. talks, uh, m- most of which are addressed to groups of masons uh sure so in the chamber of reflection angel millar and i continue the interview and angel shares his insights about freemasonry and the value of discipline and building a strong foundation for esoteric work we also discuss his understanding of initiation and co-editing and writing for the new collection, The Art and Science of Initiation, published by Lewis Masonic. We also talk about the proliferation of Freemasons focusing on the esoteric and the wide array of Masonic cons cropping up around the United States. If you enjoyed the first half of this interview, be sure to listen to that exclusive recording at chamberofreflection.com. And I'd like to remind you that although you're able to listen to this podcast at no charge, it costs time and money to create. We ask you to support our efforts and the creation of future podcasts by joining the membership section at chamberofreflection.com or subscribing via Patreon at patreon.com slash occult of personality. And if you're already supporting the show or have done so in the past, my heartfelt thanks and I salute you. <laughs>